Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like what you're hearing right now? Then be sure to check out VOC Nation. Whether it's on VOCNation.com or your favorite podcast provider, VOC Nation offers the greatest in live and on-demand content, great interviews, and incredible insight from those who have lived the business. Seven days a week, VOCNation.com. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter at VOCNation. Welcome to another edition of Bumps and Thumps, the talk of wrestling. I'm Brian Ferguson. My guest today is one of the greats from the 1980s and 90s. He is best known for his time in the NWA, where he's a former two-time World Tag Team Champion with Rick Rude, Dusty Rhodes, and in the AWA with his feud with Wahoo McDaniel. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez. Manny, thanks for coming on Bumps and Thumps today. really appreciate it. What's up, brother? A lot of bumps and thumps going on around the world, ain't there? <laughs> Indeed there is, my friend. Thank you again for coming on today. I sure do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right, Manny, let's talk a little bit about you could about you know, growing up, your childhood. Uh I know you grew up, I believe, in, in Texas and, and, and California. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, I grew up as a normal kid but uh you know, parents and stuff like that. I just grew up in tough little neighborhoods because we didn't have a lot. You know, um, father and mother raised nine, uh, basically nine kids and uh, had two sets of twins in our family. And I was the oldest oh, wow. son, so I had to watch over my kids, my kid brothers and sisters. Yeah. I had three older sisters above me, but I had to learn to take care of them at a young age, especially when you, you grow up in places like Horseshoe Barrio. The Barrio is almost kind of, that's what we call it. People, some people call it ghetto. Some people call it other things. Some people in our in our neighborhood, it was a barrio, and we grew up with a bunch of other kids. You know, that, that are Hispanic families with lots of kids, and you grow up and make your own football teams and baseball teams because you got all your everybody got a lot of kids in their family, and mm-hmm. you go around playing other people, and you learn to be tough right off the back. I mean. You learn how to, you know, get respect and give respect. Mm-hmm. You don't just—they don't give it to you. You earn it. So right. I kind of came up that way and uh, stuck around the body and, and learned how to fight. And to get it. actually, my sisters were better fighters than me. Oh, yeah. I actually learned how to fight from that. From them. Okay. <laughs> That's the truth, man. I, I <laughs> believe you. Older sisters are pretty dang on tough. <laughs> pretty dang on tough. So that, that's how I grew up in. I'm playing sandlot football and baseball and just wrestling around and fighting with the other guys that you loved, that you grew up with and since you were kids and shared your little life with there in the, in the barrio. And you learn how to become an athlete. I learned how to become an athlete and 
God gave me a special, my mom said God gave me a special ability um, to excel in almost every sport I, I did, you know, competed in baseball, wrestling, and football. So I was pretty dead going good, and most of us, thanks to God, because I did uh, excel in those sports from, from, you know, Pop Warner to junior high to high school to college. So yeah. I was pretty yeah. lucky. Yeah. I, I was pretty lucky I didn't end up like a lot of guys. As you got older in the barrio, a lot of guys got into bad shit, you know. And, yeah. You know, they got into, ended up getting locked up in juvenile and going on prison. I got lucky and started playing sports at a young age, and it kept me out of that, that trend. Yeah. The guys in my neighborhood that I grew up with, a lot of them ended up in San Quentin and stuff. But, you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a tough upbringing. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds tough like love. a tough love. Yeah, tough love. Yeah, yeah. So you went to college. Um, you went to the famous uh, West Texas State, where a lot of uh, those wrestlers. No, 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 but you're getting ahead of yourself. You're getting ahead of yourself. Man. Okay. Uh, I was uh, out of high school. Out of high school, I got recruited by a 27 Pac-10 school. Okay. I had to go and play Let's football. Talk about that. And wrestle, and and I was. Two-time state champion wrestler out of Lincoln High School in uh, San Jose, California. Okay. I got recruited for wrestling and uh, stuff. My mom got diabetes at a young age, and she was real sick. So I was very, very close to my mom because I was the oldest boy, and I was always in charge of this and that. Mm-hmm. So she got real sick, and I decided to just stay home and and uh, go to junior college, San Jose City College, which okay. ended up going there and. Uh, and when I the two years that I spent every every sport that I competed in, I won championships. I was never lost. Wow. Never, I never lost from, from grade school to high, junior high school to high school to college. And when I got to junior college, we ended up one of the best junior colleges in the nation. We were twenty four and one when I played wow. there. You know, we had great wow. running backs. Straight up. So I got recruited again to go play. Uh, Major college, and uh, about that time when Vietnam was winding down, but mm-hmm. before, though, before that, as my senior year came to Lincoln High School, there's so many protests mm-hmm. uh, about the Vietnam War and baby killers and all this and that. And I come from a long line of uh, relatives who served their, their country out of yeah. El Paso, Texas. They were my uncle was in the Battle of Midway in the Navy. My other yeah. uncle was in the the Battle of Guadalcanal and the Marines and stuff. Uh, so I had a long line of uncles that uh, fought in World War II. And yeah. this is in California. you got to understand California back then. Everybody knows the hippie acid days and all that yeah. craziness and all that peace, love, and dove and dope shit that went on over there. But the protests on the colleges and stuff, it just annoyed the crap out of me. I got so sick of it. Even in... When I was at San Jose City College, they started little uh, protests there, and it really annoyed. I used to shove them to the ground and punch them out. I couldn't stand that because yeah. my uncles, you know, my uncles, what my uncles did. I've yeah. always known since I was a kid, and kid um, almost makes me break up right now. Um, uh, so it got on my nerves, and I, you know, it's the hell with this, man. Yeah, I can go back to college anytime. Mm-hmm. I can go play ball anytime. So mm-hmm. I told my mom I wanted to enlist. <laughs> I told her I wanted to be a Marine. <laughs> you went nuts. Yeah. <laughs> you went nuts. Yeah, there'd be no damn Marine. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> so we agreed on the Navy. 
we agreed on the Navy, and okay. that's, that's what happened there. So I took my uh, time off of football and away from college and away from all the stupidity in California and yeah. joined the Navy and went to RTCNTC San Diego, which okay. is one of the Marine Naval bases there. So okay. That's where we ended up. Wow. Well, that's great, and I want to say thank you. After, thank you for your service, by the way. Well, thank you, brother. You did the same thing I did. Yeah. You did. You served one of the greatest countries in the world. Yes, sir. Yes, and one of the have. greatest nations in the world. Yes, we did. And, and, uh, and we're fellow brothers and not veterans, veterans, but that's that's what started. Then when I came home from all that, and you know what, prior. You know, interactions I had serving my country during the evacuation of the Vietnam War and stuff. But mm-hmm. That's when I came home and had a lot of I had a lot of issues. Basically, like you, probably had a lot of issues. Yeah. I hated people. Yeah. I hated the way we were received when we came home. Mm-hmm. The way people received us, we never got a welcome home or yeah. stuff like that. What, what were we expecting at the airports? The idiots waiting on military people to come home from wherever their station duty was or wherever they were from their deployment, mm-hmm. sitting at the airports and with their signs and baby colors and we hate you and throwing stuff, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of crap. Yeah. You know, so, a lot of anger. A lot, a lot, a lot of anger. Yeah. So I kind of dwelled on that, dwelled on that for a couple of years. And my mom got to talking to me and, and when I moved back to El Paso, my hometown, where I was born. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my mom got to talking, maybe you should go back to playing football. And I said, yeah, I can't play no more. I don't want to play that game no more. And she was consistent of me trying to play. And she reached out to one of the coaches. I got recruited to wrestle and play football with a friend of mine that was a competitor against me the whole time we were in school. He went to Leland High and I went to Lincoln High. Okay. Jeff Ramona was such a great linebacker like me. Yeah. And offensive guard. We both played the same position on a different team. <laughs> would uh, bang heads against each other all, all the time yeah. for four years, you know. We, yeah. And we became, even though we went to different high schools, me and Jeff Ramona became awesome friends yeah. because I wrestled 191 and he wrestled 175. Mm-hmm. And at every tournament that we went to, the only two guys that would always meet and in the finals from our division mm-hmm. would be me and Jeff Ramona. Being okay. high in Lincoln High, and he would represent the 175s, and of course he would win the title 75s, and I would win the title night once. So yeah. that even draw us closer because we don't compete with one another on the yeah. mat, you know, not against each other in tournaments. I was heavier than him by 20 pounds, but yeah. uh, you know, we became very close friends, and then we ended up playing junior college together at San Jose City College, okay. which I ended up being an All-American offensive guard in junior college. And he was an all-American linebacker junior college. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we, we stuck together for all them years. And then I made that decision to join, and I talked to Jeff about it. And he said, if that's what you feel, college will always be there. Mm-hmm. And Jeff had already gone to UCLA, UCLA, and, and he, he accepted the scholarship. And I told him that I couldn't. I had to do what I had to do. Yeah. So that's a good friend that I you know, made a decision with. Yeah. I always remember what happened. I dealt with a lot of stuff, and one of the coaches that recruited me and Jeff really heavy at the time they were recruiting, mm-hmm. Joe DeLuca, ended up, for whatever reason, he ended up on Bill Bill Young's staff at West Texas State University. Okay. And 
How my mom found out about it, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. But she found out about it and she wrote him a letter. And then I was at home doing nothing and she liked to see me play football. So he contacted me yeah. and asked me just to walk on. Hey, just try, come back. It's not going to hurt nothing to walk on. You have the GI Bill. They'll pay for your schooling. Mm-hmm. And just try it. There's nothing in there. So, you know, I ended up uh, doing that. I, Use a GI to be able to walk on the West Texas State. Wow. And there, when there, uh, you probably got a question, but I can't have an on. So, before, you know, the the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the story, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I ended up walking on West Texas State. Yeah. Well, that's that's amazing, and yeah. you know. I can, you know, my my parents were both uh, served during that era as well. And uh, my mom always said when you see a Vietnam veteran to welcome them home because they never got the welcome they deserved and needed. So, Manny, Raging Bull Fernandez, welcome home, sir. And thank you for all you did. Thank you, buddy. All right. You I bet. appreciate it. There was you more. Bet. You know, there's so many... Uh, God that came before me. Yeah. With that before me. That, that, you know, I see him when I do this little veteran stuff that I go now. Yeah. I have some data to sit down and talk to him. Mm-hmm. You know, but those memories are, you know, hard to deal with sometimes. Yeah. No, I, I understand. So, all right. So, why don't we talk a little bit about getting involved in the pro wrestling world here? How, <laughs> how? <laughs> That's what I said. The rest, of the, the rest of the story, well, you know, there was, West Texas State, I didn't know nothing about West Texas State. Okay. I just knew that I was going to go try. And I've always played sports one way, my way. I either yeah. knock the shit out of you or you knock the shit out of me. Yeah. I want to hit you as hard as I can no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I don't like being second to no one, especially playing. I never yeah. played second string and nothing. I always started, excelled, and that's the attitude I had. Yeah. So I walked down to West Texas State, but before that, the first camp that I showed up to the summer drills, summer two days, uh, you'd have to do that uh, from West Texas uh, practice field. We had to jog up to Buffalo Bowl, which is a stadium for you guys coming in. The way you got to see the stadium is you had to jog up there. It was a hell of a jog. Yeah. Got to be about three-mile jog, three-mile jog. Oh, wow. You jog up there and jog back. And the first time, you know, I was there, and that was kind of the new guy coming in. And I was there and basically didn't know what any most of the guys that had been at West Texas State two or three years. They all knew each other. Mm-hmm. I was, nobody knew who I was or basically where I was trying to make the team. So I go, we go do this jog up there. And along the way back then, the path that you run, you went by right through a ranch called the Double, the Double, uh, Double Cross Ranch, ah, Double Cross Ranch, which yeah. you know who that belonged to, right? Yeah, the, the so we're jogging up there, and I'm jogging. Yep, I'm jogging. Don's doing this. Here comes a guy in horseback, a guy in horseback, and he's riding along the fence line, and he's yelling at us, "Get up, pick it up, and get going, oh big man! You need to get out moving and get up there, get moving." And I turned around, looked at him, who's this damn idiot? 
<laughs> everybody about stopped in their tracks and turned around and looked at me to go, shut up, sheesh, don't say that. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? Some idiot yelling at you, you're going to let me yell at you. Don't you know who that is? I said, I don't give a damn who that is. And then Kelly Kaninsky, who, you know, his dad was Jenkins, he yeah. come up, first time I met him, he says, you shouldn't be talking about that man like that. That's Terry Funk, the great Terry Funk. I said, who the hell is he? <laughs> he likes to shit his parents. Uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's, you know, I didn't really get to meet him, but that's yeah. the first time I saw him, and I called yeah. him an idiot. <laughs> and everybody was like, oh, God. <laughs> I didn't know he was one of the big boosters in West Texas State. He was also yeah. one of the big boosters yeah. West Texas. He went there himself, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, all the way back, I was getting slack. Hey, don't say that no more. I still funk and give a damn. I give them, I give a damn. You know? So that kind of, you know, some of the guys kind of got like offended and they thought they yeah. would do things to me. And uh, so a couple of guys, the senior guys, you know, they knew what funk did for West Texas State, the funk, the Murdoch, and all them guys would do for West Texas State. So they, one night they tried to rip me by coming in, they were going to dental floss my toes together. I slept with a gun under my pillow and I, all the time. And they, they made the mistake because, you know, if you come back from that kind of Vietnam, so you don't sleep like heavy. Right. You learn how yeah. to sleep very lightly. Yeah. And every little noise will wake you up. Every little sound, you mm-hmm. you um, react to. You react to every little sound. Like my uh, my psych doctor tells me, I'm one of those is fight or flight guys, but you don't, right. you're not. Flight, you're fight. Yeah, <laughs> right. you're a fight, not flight. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so they were doing this, trying to do this. I cranked, stuck my hand under the pillow and got that 45 and stuck to their head. I, said, I don't think I do that. But they like to shit their pants. <laughs> 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 yeah. They went and told uh, Coach Young, and I almost got kicked off the football team before I even became a football player. With oh wow! Coach yeah. Lucas stuck up for me and advised them that I was a Vietnam vet and I probably have some issues. So I had to make me send a gun home, which I send a gun home and we dealt with that. And after that, everybody loved me. I was a lot of friends. I bet you did. (laughs) A lot of friends. (laughs) So, you know, that, that, that became the story. That story, of course, Kelly Kaninsky, big mouth Kelly Kaninsky went and told everybody, that was living and wrestling there at the time, like Jack Mulligan, Dizzy Murdoch, Terry and Dory Fong. I did a stamp. I mean, the, everybody, I guess, in the wrestling world knew about this crazy guy that pulled a gun on the football player. You know, so <laughs> yeah. that got around. That got around. Yeah. Wow. You know, people, you know, just started realizing that I didn't take shit to nobody. And if right. you did do something like that or try yeah. anything harder than that, I would put you in the ground. I wouldn't play. I'd put you in the ground. So yeah. it became the the tale that everybody told, especially Kelly Kaninsky. And he would, I I guess he would go back and tell him everything I did because I got in fights in practice. I finally got tired of this. Oh well, you're third string guy. And I said, how was this bull in the ring? I'll tell you what. I lasted two weeks on GI Bill, and two weeks after I said I'm tired of this, I ended up on scholarship. I just beat the hell out of the guy that was in front of me. He quit. 
That's great. <laughs> I mean, I beat him in the foot uh, with pads in the football ring. Right. We call it bowl in the ring. Two guys against each other. Okay. And I just beat him. Yeah. Wow. I was starting guard. Dude. Wow. <laughs> so I got a scholarship, and you know those stories went around, mm-hmm. and I did a lot of dumb shit. I was so much more mature than these guys. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of dumb shit that, that I learned in the military and dragging guys with my truck <laughs> from behind. Uh, Murdoch used to be a, a, a bull roper, a healer, mm-hmm. cap roping. Him yeah. and Ray Stevens, they used to cap rope and stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that before that, but when I met him, I knew it. I knew they did that. So they always had these lassos. They drove my lassos, and I would put them on a the hitch of my truck, my truck. And the mm-hmm. bumper, and I'd pull guys on skis when it snowed there, and we'd be going down the center of West Texas, <laughs> skiing behind my truck. <laughs> I did so much, and all this, all these stories kept going back to Terry and Dickie, and most of all, Dickie. Yeah. Dickie thought I was nuts, and me and him became very, very close. Yeah. He started coming over and visiting in the dorm room, coming to practices and watching me. And, you know, um, even in practices, I'd get so mad at guys being stupid. I started pounding them on the helmet. (laughs) And he said, Dick, you don't you realize they have a helmet on, idiot? (laughs) What are you going to do, hurt yourself? They got a helmet on, you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, Uh, that just just came and became a, and then Terry. I don't know, it's just, you know how you get brotherhoods? Yep. When you fight along with somebody and you know you're fighting for your life, yep. you become brothers. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't had that in a long time. Dickie and me became that because Dickie would come and support and, and he'd take me out drinking with him. And I don't know. It was, just, yeah. it was great. It was fantastic. He'd get on my ass and I did something wrong at the football game. He didn't miss a home game. They no. were in town. They didn't miss a home game. <laughs> yeah, God, God Almighty, if I missed the block, if I missed a block or something, he was in the stands, I could hear him a mile away. You stupid! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I could hear him a mile away. <laughs> yeah. I could hear him. He gets so mad. He gets so mad at our team and stuff. Yeah. He was happy when we were winning. We were winning and won the conference. Yeah. There's been a few, but between Dixie and Terry, and then Terry and me became close to the Austin. Some of the things we did, we used to go to the Whiskey River and, and when people get stupid and ask stupid questions like, hey, no, 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 wrestling fake? You know, back then, they were tough guys. Yeah. yeah. You know, back in the day, they were very, very tough. And, you know, like right now, everybody tries to compare who's the toughest or Aku and, and Wahoo or who's the tough. Everybody was tough back then. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. Everybody defended, protected the business. It's like I tell people, the business is so hard to get into. Mm-hmm. You had to know somebody with power, mm-hmm. be second generation or third generation of. Yeah. I mean, it was to me it was like harder than getting into the mafia. Yeah. They, were, they were very capable, very yeah. capable. Yeah, they, they they protected their line of work, their livelihood. They protected one another as a brotherhood. Yeah, and it, it was so close. That's why I think I was convinced to finally say, okay, whatever, you know, let's do this. Yeah, but that was a long journey between that. It was two years of football and then two years of just running up and down the road with uh, Dick Murdoch. You know, things that they did when him and Mulligan were running the Amarillo Territory and, okay. you know, things. And I was just a little football player, West Texas State. And basically, they're squirrel. You go go pick up Andre to die it. 
at the airport, <laughs> and you know, and you know, I never got, I never watched wrestling, never got into pro wrestling. Never knew. The only wrestling I did was collegiate. Yeah. Oak style. That's the only wrestling I ever did. That's the only thing I believe was doing. All this stuff about you know wrestling and stuff was never in my dreams in any part of my life. Never. Okay. Until I got to West Texas State wow. and all these guys are wrestlers and I used, used to, you know, I didn't glorify wrestling. That's why today don't mean crap to me. I know what it is. And yeah. and the people that brought me, the, my bloodline that made me in this made me in this business, you know, mm-hmm. Murdoch and Mulligan and the Funk, yeah. that bloodline that I have, they all knew that I understood very heavily that this wrestling was just wrestling. I knew what it meant. Yeah. I mean, if somebody had to lay down for you to make you look good, make sure you make that guy look like a million dollars. Yeah. I knew that rule. Yeah. But I never saw it as anything else than that. Yeah. It was not. It's some of these clowns that are still out there doing it. It's their life. Yeah. It was never my life. It was my living. Right. I had a different life outside of that. I didn't sit there and, and go on, oh, you want this belt? Because, you know, every territory I went to, I was over I yeah. got over. I was the top guy. I was a champ. I yeah. drew money. Yeah. I put asses in the sea. And that's that's the greatest the greatest thing that ever was told to me and why I love this man so much is Sarah Funk sat me down one time when Murdoch finally convinced me to train and said, you know, you got something very special. You got a charisma about you mm-hmm. and you could put asses in the seat. And I didn't know what he meant by that because yeah. I never done that terminology. You know? yeah. He says, there's something about you. You know, I had that fire. I'd yeah. fight you on a football field even if you had a helmet pads on. I didn't yeah. care. You know, I didn't care. So that's that's basically how when I finally and I made them understand that. Yeah. That I understand what you're doing and what but Jack Briscoe put it the best when okay. I met him and worked and went to Florida and, and him and Jerry Briscoe was, mm-hmm. Jack Briscoe put it the best. When somebody asked him about him, he just said one word, natural. That's yeah. all I can tell you about him. He's not. I'm yeah. sorry, but you know, when when you're around the greatest, to yeah. me, yeah, I was surrounded by the greatest. Yeah, you know. Oh, <laughs> but what bloodlines and then bloodlines in that? Yeah. Seriously. No, I hundred percent, Manny. It's uh, amazing. It's amazing you were. And I'm gonna tell you something. Please. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you went, you were around such professionals, such well-known athletes, uh, wrestlers of that era, uh, that, it, you know, Murdoch, and Murdoch was crazy from what I've heard stories. Uh, so when you say, oh. yeah, yeah I, yeah, I mean, West Texas guys, you know, funks, they do crazy stuff. Um, and, and now you talk about Jack and Jerry, Jerry Briscoe. Uh, I mean, you had just such a wealth of knowledge. You were just like, I'm sure, like a sponge, just listening to them and, and following their directions. It's it's just a great story. Yeah, you know, not they were tough and crazy and had fun. They had fun and they loved you. Brothers of the road, we share the same load. That's yeah. a long gone model in this business. You don't realize that we used to drive yeah. everywhere and, and, and everywhere you drove and there was one of the brothers on the side of the road broke down. You pulled over. You made sure they were all right. You made sure they got to where they were going. You made sure they were safe. That was just part of your life. 
It was part of you. They were part of your life and you were part of their life. We put our lives in each other's hands and we took care of each other, mm-hmm. you know, and that's long gone in this business. God, when I was in college and after the football season, you know, I had in between there, I had really some nothing to do but work and lift and whatever. So Murdoch would take me, you know, we're talking like crazy. He'd take me on these road trips with him. We'd go to damn Lubbock and Odessa and Herford, New Mexico and everything. He'd take me, make me drive. So basically when they were on the road, Murdoch, Mulligan, and, and whoever rode with us, Dennis, Chris, whatever, I was basically the beer guy. I handed him beers. <laughs> and I'll never forget the first time I, I, I handed uh, Mulligan a beer while he was driving, but I forgot to open it. And he took the beer and hit me upside the head with it. I got so damn mad. I was so mad. I jumped up like, yeah, I'm going to fight Black Jack Mulligan, 6'10, 390 pounds of muscle, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you you never hand a driver a closed beer. You have to open it. I said, oh, yeah. damn, okay, I'm sorry. You have to hit me with a damn beer. <laughs> he, so, you know, I was just basically, yeah, I'd drink with him, but I was basically the guy that, just handed him open the beer. I opened the beer, handed him open the beer. And then, yeah. you know, that, yeah. you know, we just, it was fun. And then, you know, I had awesome little trips. And, and they made me, it came paid all the time. Now, basically, mm-hmm. still didn't know nothing. But every time that I got to the show, I had to sit at the very top of the bleachers in the arena mm-hmm. and sit there and watch every match. I go, what the hell? I don't want to watch this crap. And they looked at me and said, watch the matches. I said, all right, all right, I'll watch the matches. And of course I didn't. You know, I got to come down. And sometimes when, when I used to go to the Lubbock Arena and sit up there, Baby Doll, Nicola was the, uh, the promoter's daughter. Yeah. Baby Doll would be taking the tickets, and I'd go over there and BS with her. Sit down and BS with her while she's taking the tickets and stuff. Nick yeah. Roberts, Nick Roberts, her dad, Nick Roberts. And, yeah. Uh, I just take that BS with her, you know. Then I get caught and they get yelled at. <laughs> so I had to go sit up there. But we'd go running down the road and they'd, they'd ask me questions like, "Okay, what happened in the first match?" I go, "Well, I really don't know." <laughs> they throw me out of the car. And, they throw me out of the car and drive off. Oh my god! <laughs> But in the time oh. I'm standing there going, like, what the hell? Is it really going to be in the year? That was my slow education in pro wrestling. <laughs> I would watch every match. And then, you know, sooner, sooner I started watching all the matches. And sometimes yeah. I really get, it would, got into them. Like, oh, shit, look at that. Oh, God, that after Oh, yeah. my God, damn. That was awesome, you know? Yeah. They were that good. They were that believable. Yeah. They were that good. I went from a yeah. skeptic to almost going like, oh my God, these guys are doing this. Mm. Now these guys are unreal. You know, yeah. some matches they had, especially when I watched Mulligan and Murdoch and Holly Race and Murdoch and, mm. and, and you know, I, those guys are, tell you what, you could not see through them like you see this garbage now. 10,000 flips in the air and the guy's still there. You know, yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree, Bull, that, uh, you know, it's it's a lot different today. Uh, even growing up, I mean, I, I watched it in the, you know, late 70s uh, as a kid and in the 80s as a kid. And even, you know, from then to now, it's just so much more, 
you know, it, it, the kayfabe, you know, is gone, unfortunately, and and the uh, and the yeah. the believability is, is gone. Where you actually, you know, when and we'll get into this later when you turned on Jimmy and all that, and we'll get into that a little bit later. That was so believable. It was, you know, it it, it a lot you ticked a lot of people off, I know, and uh, but it was believable. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's the you missing know, component today because, well, somebody turns on somebody, well, you know, okay, they, it, it, it's not as relevant as it was back in, 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 in back the in days. Back in the day. Yeah, back when you did it. Yeah. And, and that's a missing yeah. when component. I, Go ahead. I'm sorry. When I saw the, when I saw that first angle like that, when Mulligan turned on Murdoch, mm-hmm. and I'm like going, this is my two mentors right now. And I can't believe you're doing that. What the yeah. hell am I going to do? Who am I going to talk to? What what I got to do? I don't want to offend either one of them. And I can't yeah. believe Blackjack did that. And it was so damn believable. Yeah. I was so mad. <laughs> because I was stuck in a spot. I didn't know what direction to go in at the time. Because they were both training me. Yeah. And so was Terry. So was Lord. You know, and so was Dennis Stamp. And I was, everybody wanted a chance to come in and put their little piece. Even Jerry and Nick Kozak. Mm-hmm. And I was training the Amarillo Civic Center, and they all wanted to share their knowledge with me, which I appreciated. Yeah. But they all said, well, you, you basically are doing everything because you, you do it naturally. Now, I knew yeah. how to do arm drag. That's what I did in wrestling in high school. Because I did, one of my biggest moves in high school in 191s was sucking you in for hip toss and putting you on your back. <laughs> you know, yeah. and the, all that kind of stuff. And that was one of those kids. A lot of guys back in my era in the 70s in wrestling, which is the biggest guy on the football team, put him at that weight. And they really weren't, you know, they tried to muscle you like that. I got into learning it, the moves and everything. I started wrestling my 112-pounder, 120-pounder, 95-pounder because of the speed. And I learned the speed from them, how to sprawl and get away from people. And that's what I was doing professionally, the speed yeah. and my ability to get up and down. It was so natural, as Jack Bristol said, but getting back yeah. to that situation on turning, I mean, I was stuck yeah. in the middle, but along came this guy one day that, that turned out to be one of my closest friends ever. And I missed him so much when I was when he would left the territory. The day that, like I said, that I was a little squirrel running around. One day they asked me to go pick up Andre the Giant at the airport, and you know I read about the Giant. I saw the posters and everything, but I was still skeptical. I go, Ah, the guy can't be that big. Nah. They're full of crap. They're full of crap. He's probably big, you know, but you know, but not that big. Can't be that big. And I told him, if this guy's that big, I got a Formula Trans Am. How the hell am I going to get him in that car? You got to ask him that. Can I take one of your trucks? He said no. Take your car. I said I'm not going to put a giant in my car. Have you ever seen a Formula Trans Am? Yeah, it's yeah. not that big. No, it's, it's not. not. It's not that big. So I. So, okay, I go out to the airport in Amarillo, and I, I'm still skeptical. Oh, he can't be that big. So I'm sitting there waiting for him to come down the terminal, down the runway or terminal down there. And I'm sitting down on the damn bench. I look up, and I see a guy like two feet above everybody else. <laughs> I go, oh, my God. He is that big. <laughs> he was two feet above everybody else yeah. walking on the terminal. Wow. And go, Oh my God! Uh, this is gonna be unreal. So I said, I told him, sir. <laughs> I go, uh, um, my name is Manny Francis, sir. 
He goes, okay, boss. <laughs> I go, no. Oh, I'm not the boss. I'm not. Anyway, I'm just here to pick you up. And he goes, okay, boss. <laughs> I didn't realize he called everybody that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I said, again, I'm not the boss. I said, all I got is a little Trans Am. And so what happens is to get him into the Trans Am, I had to take him to keep that off so he could sit down the passenger. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he take the keep all the way back and he was up against the dash in his legs and he was so happy <laughs> I mean it was like the movie Gator you ever seen that movie Gator with yeah, Burt Reynolds yeah, and that guy yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that, that was me that was me and Andre but it was a fan <laughs> <thing. laughs> oh wow so I'm going down I took him up I had about 30 mile drive to Canyon but I'll just bring Andre and the first thing that was my we get in the car and get going up Hey boss, you can find liquor store. I go, I'm not the boss. I'm just here to, you know, you, know, you can call me boss. I said, okay. And so I find a liquor store and I said, 30 mile trip, we drink a 12 pack of beer and a little quart of tequila. Oh my said, gosh. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I said, holy shit. This guy's not going to fall out of the car. So we get to the office there and I'm going Nothing happened. He just walked straight in there. I said, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. This man could drink that much? <laughs> yeah. uh, he, when he was in the territory for two weeks, I had to be his his squirrel. I got I get his driver. Yeah. And it's <laughs> still in the Trans Am, but we, I drove him to every town. And he made a case of beer, a long drive, case of beer, a quarter tequila. Case yeah. of beer, half, half a quart of jug. Wow. Oh my God! He, and he brought me to drink. No, I'm driving. I'm driving. <laughs> and he goes, "No, you drink. You you drink, boss. Everybody drinks." I'm like, "Oh, oh wow!" Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But one of the funniest. I had such a great time with him for three years. We became so close. Yeah. It was just. It was God to see him. He's a big guy. Yeah. Beautiful person. Yeah. Biggest heart ever. Beautiful person. He loved playing his cribbage. Him and Murdoch loved playing that cribbage for money. He loved playing that bit. I had a great relationship with Andre. He was a beautiful person. Yeah. And one thing I could tell people about him, in his youth, back in the 70s, 76, 77, yeah. 78, when he was coming in Amarillo, that man could wrestle. Yeah. That man could wrestle. He took bumps, he could arm drag, you know, hip -top. That man could wrestle. Yeah, I couldn't believe that a man that big could do all the stuff he was doing, bumps over the top rope, stuff like that. I thought he was just going to be, you know, a giant monster, not being able to <laughs> do nothing, and yeah. just sit there and be the monster that he is. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal matches. Wow. Unreal matches. Mulligan, unreal matches. Harley, I mean, he just surprised me. Yeah. You know, a guy that big can actually wrestle that good. Yeah. Wow. But, yeah, I've heard stories about him and wrestling and drinking. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about your nickname. You got your Raging Bull. Now, I'd like to know, and I'm sure our fans would, of how that name came about. But you know, like I said, everything started in Amarillo. Yeah, and uh, everybody knew that when I was playing football at Amarillo, and after the games we go to. Uh, Scotland Yard or, or all the disco places back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
somebody mouths off to one of the football, one of the football players. I had a little group of football players that, you know, consisted of Kelly Kinensky, Gene Kinensky's son, mm-hmm. uh, Scott Braden, and, and Adolfo's son. A little clique of guys that liked me the most. But, I mean, all the teams got along with me because they knew I was going to put up with their crap. Right. Everybody was basically running. But I had a couple of guys that would run around with me to the bars along with, you know, go hang out with Murdoch and everybody because we were the football team and they liked to see us. Yeah. But when we don't go to the private bars, we sometimes go to the disco bars and stuff. And if somebody said somebody to one of my guys on my clique, my little clique, my gente, I should say my gente, as I was taught when I was growing up, that's your gente, you take care of them. Yeah. And you said something to one, I'll beat the hell out of you. I'll beat the hell. And where do we get around? Yeah. What do we go back? Hey, man, he got another bar fight. Hey, man, he got another bar fight. <laughs> and when I come train, they'd ask me, they'd ask me, you know, so what'd you do this weekend? Where'd you go? Anything happen? Because I lie. Because <laughs> I knew what they were going to do. Yeah. I knew I'd be doing push-ups, sit forever and ever, and run the ring, run, run the ring, run, run. I'd be doing fast. Nothing, man. I had a good time with the guy. Oh, no fights. No, no, no fights. You lying, little bastard. <laughs> 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 and this one, huh? And then they put their hinder squats, hinder squats, hinder squats. I get all this punish for doing all these extra drills, hinder squats and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> One day I had a big fight. It was a big fight at Scotland Yard. I mean, it was like 20 people involved. And I was throwing mm-hmm. people through glass windows and the both of the park. And the cops got involved and stuff. And of course, you know, because of the funks, everybody knew the funks and Murdoch. Yeah. We, uh, none of us got in trouble. Right. Because the company got hurt pretty good. We, because we had that pull. They had the pull, I should say. And yeah. uh, we always got in trouble. I got a, I, when I went to train in Amarillo, I got chewed out. And that's when Murdoch said, who the hell do you think you are? A raging bull going out boxing every night trying to beat up people <laughs> every damn night. You won't go to jail. You won't end up in jail. Is that where you want to be? You want to be a jailbird? No. <laughs> You need to quit the damn fighting from us, you damn raging bull. And I guess uh, stuck. Uh, so Dick Murdoch you know, gave you that name. He was mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but it stuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it stuck. Yeah. Everybody like, yeah. I tried not to, but you know, even when I went to Florida, I kind of kayfaved it, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, until I started getting in bar fights in Florida. <laughs> then it started to pop up again. But yeah, I had a great baptism. I had a great baptism. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed every bit of, yeah. of yeah. training. I got beat up. I'll tell yeah. you, that's the truth. You know, these people train all day. But if I do something wrong, I get beat up. I got stretched. People know how to handle themselves back then, you know. Yeah. Larry Lane would come in. And I knew how to shoot out people. Everybody knows that I knew how to shoot out people. But, mm-hmm. You know, these guys were good, too. They were hookers. They, they knew how to, to get to me, how to grab a, this certain hole and that certain hole, which yeah. eventually they taught me, right? Mm-hmm. But they knew how to hook me up, and, you know, they, they taught me right. And yeah. I earned their respect because it wasn't a given. Here, I'm going to show you how to do this. I had to earn it. I had to earn every bit of it. Yeah. So, wow. Uh, that's why I respect it. Yeah. Well, you know, you're in the business, you know, during – to me, the, like the heyday, the golden era, the you know the late seventies into the eighties, early nineties, you know you worked with a lot of great people. I just you know you Dusty Rhodes, you were tag team champion with him. Uh, a lot of your time. Well, that's a story in its own. 
You uh, well, let's hear it. That's a story of song. Well, you know, like I said, if people would have been brought up like me, they'd probably respect the business more, mm-hmm. more, as I still do today. I will never yeah. stop protecting this business. Right. Now, I know what it is, but I I know that the people that started me would want me to do the same thing as they do. This, they still when I go see Terry, he still think mm-hmm. the business is a shit now because of this bit. But you know, yeah. as I was getting along to the point where they thought I was good enough, you know, Jay Dillon came in to be assistant booker with Murdoch, and they thought that hey, this kid's getting good enough, so let's get him out of here. And the first thing. Uh, Murdoch and Mulligan said, well, let's send him up there to Eddie Graham in Florida. That's a hell of a territory for Hispanic guys. Yeah. And he's got that fire and charisma to get to help to send, you know, probably draw the Hispanic people in. So, you yeah. know, they send me to Florida, my first territory. Okay. And to this day, I, I, because of the people. Uh, my, my, I mean, outside of Amarillo, where I started, the first territory I went to was they sent me to with Florida with Eddie Graham. Okay. I get to Eddie Graham, I went to Florida, and, and I, that's where I learned a lot, too, from guys. Mm-hmm. Tough-ass guys like Hill Matuda and Jack Perry. But uh, <laughs> I get to Florida, and, and they said, check in, tell them who you are. They'll be expecting you. Make sure you always have your wrestling bag. To this day, I still have my wrestling bag in the car. Oh, wow. <laughs> you always have it with you. I don't, yeah. I, I don't use it. I don't use it anymore. Right, yeah, yeah. There, Wow. It's just a habit. A habit you build up years. And I got there and I met an old timer named Charlie Lay. He was at the door and Charlie Lay wrestled in the 40s, 30s, and 40s. One of the tough old birds. Yeah. And I come in and introduce myself to old Charlie Lay. I'm one of the nice men. I say, oh, yeah. We're expecting you. We're expecting you. Go through them curtains there. Go ahead and uh, get suited up. I go, what? I'm just reporting, <laughs> you know. Go ahead and get suited up, and uh, I go ahead and get suited up. I went out to the wrestling ring, and when I stepped out of the ring, first guy sitting there was Gordon Soley. I didn't know who he was, yeah, at all. I didn't know that he was a comedy guy. I didn't watch wrestling. Still, yeah. to this day, I don't watch wrestling. Uh, it was Gordon Soley, and uh, he introduced himself. I introduced myself. Got to talk a little bit, and pretty soon they said they'll be down there a minute. I go, they'll be down. <laughs> and uh, I sat there and I waited. And all of a sudden, the door opened up above the ring, or how the room above the ring there. And down the stairs came a big fat guy with blonde hair, dusty <laughs> and behind him was down. And uh, <laughs> behind him was uh, two guys that I didn't know. Well, yeah. when they came down, it was uh, introduced themselves to Jack and Jerry Briscoe. And we all know how tough they were in college and amateur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that, was my, uh, that was my introduction to the Florida Territory. Get in the ring with Jack and Jerry Briscoe. <laughs> I didn't get stretched too much. I fought back enough, but they were, they were damn good. They were yeah. damn good. Yeah. And I, I learned lessons. They learned lessons, and when I got through with that, they come out and they look at Graham, Eddie Graham, who I didn't know was the owner, promoter, whatever. I just thought he was a little dude, probably was a tough little dude. And I just kept looking. <laughs> yeah, you know, Dusty was the first impression. I said, okay, he's the booker, so you have respect for that. Yeah. And, you know, later on, the greatest thing about Florida and me, 
was learning from Jack and Jerry Briscoe. Yeah. They took me on their wing. I went to every show with them in their Dominican Continental. I'm pretty sure everybody heard the story about us flipping the Continental <laughs> three times in midair. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. We all, when they used to drug me and uh, putting stuff in my beer, I'd pass out. <laughs> They'd talk me off in my car <laughs> and leave the cars open and stuff. The Briscoe's played so many ribs on me because they heard the stories of Amarillo. Yeah. They would leave me on the side of the road, stuff like that, you know, they they get out, oh, we all got a piss and jump the car real fast and take off. <laughs> but I learned, I love Jack Briscoe. Jack Briscoe, I mean, he was one of the greatest. He was so smooth. I call him smooth. Yeah. Smooth operator. And, you know, they gave that later on to Rude. But I used yeah. to call Jack that because of his wrestling style. Mm-hmm. He was so damn smooth. And I used to have six-man tags with the Briscoes. And their big deal was to put me in the middle so they could both slap me in the face when the referee catches. <laughs> that was a big thrill. And I, and I always knew what was coming. Yeah. I always knew what was going to happen. Yeah. But I wouldn't take that away from it because that was their big deal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I didn't feel I should take that away from it. Yeah. They took care of me, the Tommy stuff. Dusty took care of me, but Dusty was always about Dusty. I always, you know, when I learned my two years in Florida, yeah. was that man's ego was bigger than, than, than <laughs> the moon. Yeah. I mean, he was about, he, yeah, he brought me up. As a tag team plumber in Florida, kept me. He knew what I could do in Florida. Yeah. You know, I got my, he finally got my shot to me. I had so many great matches. Oh my God. Me and Harley Race went so many hour, one hour Broadways, yeah. one 90 minute Broadway. And he wow. was so fantastic. And Harley Race, we had 11 matches against each other. He never was the same. He ain't Ric Flair. Yeah. Ric Flair sucks. <laughs> Compared to Harley Race, yeah. I wrestled Harley Race 11 times at one 90-minute Broadway. Wow. And none, not one match was the same. Not one match. Wow. And the way he worked the people, the yeah. way he controlled it, is like he told me, don't worry about it, kid. You just do your job, and I'll be the puppet master. I'll pull the strings, and we'll get the people off their ass. And he was right. Yeah. He was right. Yeah. He was fantastic. And to this day, I praise Harley Race. I had matches with Flair. He sucked. I didn't <laughs> care if he never wrestled a man again. Yeah. He sucked big time in my book. Yeah. He said, but I don't, I don't like ass kissers. Either yeah. you do your job, if you're good enough to be on top, then your talent should carry you. Shouldn't be a brown nose ass kisser. Yeah. That's the way it is. Yeah. But the, the Florida was a fantastic education for me. I got so much, so educated about Dusty and his ego. It has to be Dusty, Dusty, Dusty. But eventually, he burned down the territory. Eventually, gets old. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Jack and Jerry Briscoe, I'll always love to this day. Mm-hmm. We did so many crazy things together, pimping the car over, you know, <laughs> peeing on my legs, <laughs> getting out me in the middle of, I'll be in the middle between them and stop for pissed off, and I'm peeing, and all of a sudden they're peeing on both legs. <laughs> I was a rookie. Yeah. I took all the ribs yeah. because I was a rookie. Back then, the rookie understood. You're yeah. going to get ribbed by the veteran. Yeah. And they're going to be, you know, they're going to be, you know, harsh. Not bad ribs, but they pin on your legs. You're a little harsh, but, you know, it's funny. Yeah. It's all funny. It's a throw. You know, it happens. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. it's just, you know, you know, that's <laughs> part of business is gone forever. Yeah. yeah. That kind of love and, and uh, friendship and continuity that everyone has with one another mm-hmm. is missing. Yeah. You know, and they don't understand how much fun and closeness that it brought to the guys on the road. 
how much it brought to one another. Protect I remember going down the roads and highway shooting shotguns over at Humperdinck and Buggy McGraw's car. Barry Windham was pumping shots. You know, me and Barry Windham. I had a little uh, Volkswagen pickup truck, and I hit something on the road, and I flipped that pickup truck, me and Barry, in it ten times. Oh, wow. Ten times we flipped, and it was Humperdinck and uh, Bugsy McGraw. Luckily, like I said, the brothers look out for you. Yeah. Slammed, stopped, and helped us. And luckily, me and Barry survived, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, that was a horrible incident, but yeah. we survived that because all the boys on the road were concerned and all turned came back and, you know, there rushed to the scene. And I mean, what, what, these guys don't understand that. Yeah. They don't have that brotherhood. Mm-hmm. They don't have that camaraderie. They don't have that, what we, going back to what we had, and you had in the military. Yeah. You knew yeah. that guy's going to be by your side no matter what. Yeah. 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 That guy's going to be by your side no matter what. Yeah. That's true. That was a fun territory for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit for Kid Manny. Uh, you know, you were big. You were over in in Florida. You were you were over in the Mid Atlantic. Uh, you were over pretty much everywhere. Southwest. But Southwest, you were over. Southwest. I mean, everywhere you went, you were over. But there was a particular yeah. couple incidents. Uh, you know, the famous one is when you turned on Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant and went with Paul Jones Army. And for your you were a baby face. You know, up until that time, what was that like for you after, I mean, as soon as you did that and, and, you know, it, it went probably full circle, but what was that like for you? What that emotion? Yeah. Like? Going back to the story I told you about watching Mulligan turn on Murdoch. Yeah. Remember I told you about that? Yeah. that I was yeah. angry that it was so real to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I told him that when we decided to do that, I told Boogie, Hey dude, remember this. This is, to me, this is going to be real. You're going to get hit. So prepare yeah. to get it. I knew how easy. Jimmy Lyon was easy. You know, he was so easy. And he barely mm-hmm. touched, you know, I can't. I, that's not me. Anybody will tell you, you're listening to an interview about Barry and had lately mm-hmm. on a podcast. They were asking about me. He goes, oh, Manny Fernandez, you had his stiff. That's many. You got to work with many like that. That's the way many is. Yeah. That's who I am. Yeah. That's who I, how I was. So I advised him when that, when that, I kind of liked the angle. And, and a lot had to do with Rick Rude being in the territory and the way they were treating him. And I liked Rick Rude. I thought yeah. he was cool. We had a good yeah. relationship, right? Yeah. That's all what Dusty was doing with him. So Dusty's idea of putting us together, thinking that Rude couldn't work and I could carry the team, which he was wrong, very right. wrong. Right. Rude could carry his own. But yeah. I told Boogie before that, I said, dude, this is going to be like real. I'm telling you right now. It's not going to be no powder buff. You're going to get hit. I'm going to knock the shit out of you. So prepare yeah. yourself for it. I told him that right off the back. Yeah. And that's why everybody says, I'm not. Literally, you're not. Struck. I already knew <laughs> that going in, and I kind of accept that, you know? Yeah. And he accepted that. That's who I am. I'm going to yeah. knock the shit out of you. If this yeah. is going to get done, it's got to be real. Got to yeah. be real. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I with the thing about Rude, he liked, I really liked the, uh, you know, the, I thought of teaming with the guy. I would mm-hmm. yeah, I thought it was great. You know, I yeah. thought it was great. But you know, it, that went on and Jimmy Ryan got hit. <laughs> so that's why people reacted to it. Yeah. yeah. Oh. People reacted to try to stab me. You know, I've been stabbed twice already, but you know, in the in Texas territory, but yeah. 
you know, oh. people really got, they tried to kill me. I didn't think yeah. it was going to be until Tommy Young, Tommy Young saw the crowd go silent. Tommy Young is the one that came up to me and goes, Manny, go to the dressing room. I said, well, what? <laughs> Not happening. He goes, no, you got, he goes, you got white heat. I go, white heat? What the hell is that? He goes, yeah. these people are going to erupt and go crazy if you're not the head to the dressing room. So I took the word and I started going. That's when everybody exploded. All of yeah. a sudden, oh, yeah. shit, I had to fight my way back, you know. It went yeah. nuts. It went, holy yeah. shit. I guess yeah. that was real. You know, people waited outside of the Independence Coliseum. Waited. And I had to have a cop escort and a woman pull the gun on me. You know? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It took it that serious. It was, yeah. Yeah. You're right. It yeah. was you know, believable. But the yeah. biggest joy I got out of that was knowing that I could team up with Rude. I, I, like I said, I liked him. Mm. Of course, Dusty didn't think he could work. Yeah. So that was our biggest rib. My name Rude's biggest rib was, you know, when we had Rock and Roll Express, we went these hour broadways, and I ended up wrestling mm. for 40-some minutes, and I jumped Rude's ass. I said, dude. We're tacting. You need to work. You know, I can't be going 40 and you going 10. He says, no, no. You remember what they said. You're the worker. I'm the gimmick. So you work that gimmick. I had the yeah. greatest relationship with him. Yeah. I had one of the most awesome relationships in the business with Rick. Besides my mentors, the guys yeah. that I love to this day. And lost yeah. and still love the people that I love. One of the greatest relationships I had in the business was with his recruit. Yeah. Especially when he made the decision to leave. You know, at least he confided in yeah. me. And, and you know, I, I, I love him to this day. Yeah. I think me and him had some great, we had some great matches against Rock and Roll Express. I mean, they were yeah, you did. Ricky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you did. Then we had some, then we had some fun and great matches against. The road warriors, because we all knew each other, liked each other, respected each mm-hmm. other, because we're all tough. We're all yeah. tough. I'm gonna yeah. put them, you don't hit me hard, I'm going to hit you harder. Then I hit you harder. <laughs> then I hit you harder. You know, that was that kind of thing. Yeah. And then, of course, we had the matches. Me and Rude learned to adapt everyone. Rock and Roll Express, Road Warriors, Dusty, and Nikita. And I hated Nikita. So I really had to adjust to that. I couldn't stand him. You know, I wanted to beat the hell out of him every time. And Dusty oh. said, you know that name? Yeah, that's... I, used, I, I had a love-hate relationship with Dusty because yeah. everywhere that Dusty would book a territory, he would bring me in as his top, one of the top guys. Yeah. But of course, I knew that eventually he'd find somebody else. See, I'm not like these gullible guys like Magnum T.A. and all of them. Oh, Dusty's the greatest forever. Dusty's not stupid. If yeah. you see that somebody's getting over with the people more, he brings them into his partner. Oh, I'm bringing He's my partner. Yeah. So now that gives Ruth Dusty another little boost, you know what I mean? Yeah. Gives him his yeah. little boost. That's what I learned from him in Florida. I mean, when he tapped, tapped and saved me a couple times with, with Harley and all that stuff, you know, yeah. uh, I, I knew what was going on. So I always yeah. knew about his ego and stuff. So, you know, I was all into that. But like I said, one of the biggest turns here. Jimmy Zalian was fun, but I couldn't work with him. Yeah. I could I couldn't I couldn't be that soft. It was impossible for me <laughs> to be that soft in the ring. Yeah. You know, I just but he was a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, under understand that. 
Well, eventually he moved into the AWA up in uh, Vern Gagne's territory in the in the late '80s, and you had a pretty good feud with uh, Wahoo McDaniel. Now you yeah. did strap matches and all that, and what was your uh, relationship like with him? I mean, you guys worked together, obviously, but was it a, a pretty good one, or how'd that work out? Oh my God, I met Wahoo McDaniel in Miami, Florida. In 1979, or was it 80? It was one of those years when they brought in. We had a show in Miami, Florida, and I had, uh, who ended up being Kabuki, but at that time it was Mr. Bogle. I had a big uh, hair matching, hair versus whatever, against mm-hmm. Wahoo was booking the Southwest Territory for Joe Blanchard. And they brought Wahoo in because he was over in Florida for a long time, and so was Watts, so there was a big show. And both of them were booking, Watts had Mid Atlantic, uh, Mid South. I'm sorry, good stuff. And uh, I watched the match, and Wahoo had already watched things about me, had heard about me, stuff like that from the West Texas days, right? People, right. he went to West Texas, some folks, and I guess he talked to people. So he kind of knew my background. I had one of the greatest conversations that night with, with Wahoo about coming to Amarillo, I mean, coming to San Antonio, working mm-hmm. for Joe Biden. And he was telling me, you know, they're big Hispanic people in San Antonio. And the way I worked in the fire, the beat music. I really got in, you know, I was interested. I wanted to leave Florida, number one, because I already knew what Dusty was doing after this. Especially with his the Hardy Race deal, the last tango, tango in Tampa and all that good crap. <laughs> did get, uh, yeah. So, you know, I was interested in that. And I really had a great conversation with about giving my notice and going there. And then, yeah. of course, there was Bill Watts, who came over and talked to me and Talk about the Mid South and you know all around there. And at that time, we had a guy named Buck Robley booking for him, and uh, well, lots kind of you know cocky, you know kind of kind of like standoffish. I, I just kind of I didn't take to him like I took to Wahoo, like I took mm-hmm. to Wahoo, right. I took to Wahoo, and uh, so that conversation led to me having this uh, hair there. I knew what Dusty was going to let me use my hair, so it's that. Dusty, you know, you know that kind of gave me a bad taste in my mouth. But I did it properly. I went in and uh, gave my notice. I was leaving for uh, from San Antonio. I gave my notice, and uh, I didn't know at that time that Eddie Graham had fired Dusty and hired Dory Funk Jr. Uh, yeah. So it was kind of in like in transition when I say, well, and and. Dory says, well, you'll be talking to me on the book. So I turn around and I was like, oh, uh, I, oh maybe I should take this back because of what he did to me, what he did for me. In yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should say, okay, well, I'm saying, but I didn't. Yeah. He understood that I wanted to move on. I was there two years. And he thanked me. He said, you're going to finish up with me. You dropped the belt. And I said, no problem. I was taught that professionally. Yeah. When you leave, you do the right thing. Right. You do the right thing. Yeah. And that's what I was inserted into my mind. It installed in me. Yeah. And I did the right thing, dropped about, you know, lost the story, losing the town. And I left. And went to San Antonio. I get to San Antonio. I had a great start. Uh, watched, you know, talked to Les Wahoo. was a great booker. Mm-hmm. And then having fun with Wahoo for a month, I didn't know what happened. Tully and Wahoo. And Dickie's fight was in the territory at that time. Something happened, you know, with Dickie, I mean, Wahoo and Tully and Gino or something. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. All I know is all of a sudden, months later, I started to enjoy this booking with Tiger Conway Jr. was there, Chavo Guerrero, and I had some great talent around me. Yeah. Great talent. Young Tom, very young Tom Pritchard, you know, and Scott Casey. But Bahu was gone. Wow. All of a sudden, we show up to do TV, and Joe introduces Dickie as a booker. And I knew Dickie. I had a great program with Dickie in Florida. I loved him. He was yeah. crazy. I loved the way he worked. <laughs> Hell of a worker. Yeah. He, he was like a second coming of Terry Funk. You know? <laughs> yeah. He worked his style, which is like Terry. And I, yeah. You know, I always loved Terry. Yeah. So I had a good, I had a good run with Dick Slater as a booker there. Yeah. Had a good run. And, and you know, um, it was Wahoo. And I, I miss Wahoo. He gave me an opportunity. I loved Wahoo from day mm-hmm. one. Loved him and respected him from day one. Yeah. And AWA. And when we started our feud in Mid uh, Atlantic, me and Wahoo, uh-huh. Bobo was heel and I wrestled Wahoo, that's when the feud started. Okay. And I became heel when he was baby, we kept it going. Yeah. And that feud that we started in, in Mid Atlantic ended up in AWA. Yeah. And that's when I knew that he, it was going to be turned up a notch. Yeah. And it had to be turned up a notch. Yeah. So that's when we had those brutal battles where we beat the living crap out of each other. Yeah. yeah. And that's no. No, I mean, we beat the living crap out of uh, each other. Yeah, I, yeah mm-hmm. I, I've watched them. I watched Super Clash 3 the other day again when you had the Indian uh, strap match. And I mean, you yeah. guys were bloody to a pulp, and I don't know how you walked out of there, but, whew, yeah. Dude, I'm going to tell you something right now. One time we were going so hard that Bobby, he broke my nose. He dropped that chop on my nose, and I was laying down. He missed mm-hmm. it, broke my nose. And then I told him, is that the best you can do, damn it? And he grabbed that damn strap and he whipped me so damn hard. I literally had a damn welt on my back for uh, two weeks. Uh, he hit me that damn hard. Uh, I said, don't do that again, I was kidding. <laughs> we beat the, I mean, yeah. you know, those are wars. Yeah. Even the boys in the back, you know, the, uh, the young guy, the, the Beverly boys. I'm like, yeah, all them there, young yeah. boys, yeah. Like, yeah, all them young there, you know, even the young, uh, was the Patriot, yeah, Wilkes. Yeah. So they were, he was back there and everybody, because when I come back, you go, holy shit, man, yeah. you guys are trying to kill each other. Yeah. I mean, remember, we're not supposed to do it that way. I said, yeah, I know, tell him that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was a, I loved it. Yeah. yeah. We had battles and independent shows, you know, they mm-hmm. all around California and Nevada. We had some, I don't think I respected, I said, you know, he was one of them I respected in his business more than anyone. He was yeah. a tough, yeah. tough, I mean, tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a good, tough human being. Yeah. But, no, no doubt. Couple more questions here. Um, out of all the places that you worked, what was one of the most favorite places that you really enjoyed working at, promotion-wise? You know, personally, I could tell you this: everywhere I went, even from Kansas City territory, when I went, mm-hmm. Hardy Race brought me in because of everything he did for me in Florida. Mm-hmm. When his territory was down, he asked me if I'd come in and work territory, mm-hmm. even though it was down. Yeah. And people weren't making that much money. Yeah. And for what he did for me, even that territory that was down and we struggled a little bit till I got the belt and it became hot and started drawing money. 
even that territory. I was happy. Everywhere I went, I was happy. I was so, this, the thing about this is I was surrounded with so much great talent mm-hmm. underneath me. Yeah. I mean, I had great talent in San Antonio with Chavo and Tiger Conway Jr., Scott Casey, young Tom Pritchard. I mean, Tully and Gino, uh, Tully Bunchy Jr. has heels. Yeah. I was surrounded. The same thing in Florida. I had, you know, Dusty was there. Of course, Dusty was there. Jack and Jerry were there. Steve mm-hmm. Kern, Jimmy Corbin, uh, Mike Graham. I mean, there were so many daggone good talents around me and so many damn good heels that yeah. we brought in for me when I had the belt. You know, I'm Morocco. Yeah. I'm Morocco. And yeah. Florida was unbelievable. I could beat that man every night. He'd have more heat than anybody on the court. <laughs> yeah. He was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. He was unbelievable. And the matches I had with him were out of this world. One of the greatest heels probably ever in the business. But everywhere yeah. I went, you know, everywhere I went, the Mid-Atlantic was around with talent. You know, everywhere I went, I just, I can't say I had, even where I started in the Amarillo territory, you're talking yeah. about talent. You're talking about Blackjack Mulligan, Big Murdoch, Dory yeah. Funk, Terry Funk, you know. Yeah. People they brought in, Andre the Giant, Harley Race. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I had the blessing of working with the best heels in this business mm-hmm. that I ever put on a pair of boots. Oh, yeah. Nick Bachman. Oh, my God. Even, oh, we got Nick Bachman. Ray Stevens. Ray yeah. Stevens was one of the greatest workers I ever seen. Unbelievable worker. Yeah. Right? And I had joys of teaming up with Ray in Florida and, and, and uh, AWA. Yeah. I mean, these people, these, this generation, will never get that. You yeah. can't sit down and say, well, I work this guy, this guy, this guy. And every name you name is a legend. Yeah. Every name you name was the biggest attraction all the way around the world, in Japan, wherever. Boozer yeah. Brody, Stan Hansen. Yeah. Me and Bobby Duncan, Boozer Brody, Stan Hansen in San Antonio. I mean, yeah. it was... It was <laughs> You know, the who's who. I was blessed with that. Yes. Yeah, who's who? Yeah, I was blessed who. with that. Yeah. Wow. All right, Manny. One more question, sir, if we can. What are you up to nowadays? Oh, God. Let me see. I'm recovering from total hip surgery, hip replacement surgery, mm-hmm. and total knee replacement surgery. Oh, so wow. I'm just taking it easy, being in going life, you know, watching yeah. football college yeah. football, the games, and, you know, just chilling. I yeah. lost my service dog. I got a service dog, emotional support dog that I had for almost eight years. He passed away on me. I'm sorry. And that was that. hard. Yeah. Was, yeah, that was hard. I mean, one of the great Bill Apter, I'll tell you this, great Bill Apter did a, a memorial for my reg. Everybody in the business, mm-hmm. everybody that was somebody in this business that I went to conventions with, the first words out of their mouth was Reggie. I said, where's Reggie? Where's your little Reggie? Reggie was so loved in the business by the guys that loved me and respected me, and I respected them. Yeah. The first words out of the mouth every time they saw me, hey, where's Reggie? You know, so it was hard for me this past August when I went to the International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame to Uh induct Dan Severn. I inducted Dan Severn in there. Okay. Uh, It was really hard for me to hold it in when everybody there, the new Reggie, yeah. Every single person that was there would come up, you know, hey, where's Reggie? Well, how's Reggie? Where's Reggie? Oh, that was man. kind of hard. So yeah. right now, because of the COVID, this COVID crap, mm-hmm. the PTSD service dogs, the foundation that gives service dogs to the veterans, 
is so behind on funds and stuff mm. because of COVID. Yeah. That I have to wait after the first of the year to maybe find me another little Reggie, you know, yeah. another little beautiful service dog. And that's what I'm waiting on. It's just, it's just recovering yeah. and enjoying life, recovering, enjoying life, you know. Yeah. And uh, I go to, I got conventions that I go to, I pick and choose. Yeah. You know, if, if I don't want to go, it's, it's not a necessity, it's not a need. Yeah. You know, I could care less what people think or what well, this legend crap don't mean shit to me. You know, yeah. <laughs> legends, and I'm going to tell you the truth. I believe legends are buried in Arlington Cemetery. That's the legend. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I can agree with that. Yes, sir. I can. But, you know, all that other crap don't mean nothing. I yeah. get, you know, lifetime achievement awards. And, and I think the greatest thing, a guy named Michael Terry in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. uh, he made a plaque. He honored me with a plaque for the Vietnam Memorial of all and soldiers. Exactly okay. like they have in Washington, D.C. Yeah. That's the greatest thing I got. That's wow. the only thing I display in my house. That's the awesome. only thing I display in my house is that. I don't wow. display anything. Wrestling, wrestling is what it was. Yeah. It's not, not, like I said, it was never in my life. Yeah. 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 Well, I appreciate you coming on here today, Manny. Ladies and gentlemen, Raging oh. Bull, Manny Fernandez, sir, thank you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Honored to talk to you, and love to do it again sometime. Yeah. Look, thank you so much, and God bless you and your family. Thank you, and same to you. And, folks, if you're listening, thank you. If you haven't subscribed, please do so, and we will talk to you soon. Hey, this is a Total Package, Lex Luger. You're listening to the VOC Nation. Don't miss out. Hey, guys, before we get started, I just wanted to read this commercial because it's an agreement that we made with a really great podcast, and I want to tell you guys all about it. Pro Wrestling Interviews, it features guests who are hot indie stars as well as the greats of the ring. Each week, you can join the amazing Velvet as well as Dr. John as they host this jam-packed hour of interviews, pro wrestling news, and entertaining guests. It's an hour you don't want to miss. Trust me, you don't want to miss it. Every Sunday... 9 p.m. Eastern. Just go to ProWrestlingInterviews.com, and it'll take you to their Facebook page where you can get the custom podcast link for that week. Don't miss a second of Pro Wrestling Interviews. That's Sunday nights, 9 Eastern, ProWrestlingInterviews.com. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network. Check out In The Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Brady Hicks, former WCW star, Stro Maestro, Kathy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs, yeah, you get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts, and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. 
VOC Nation hosts will include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hick, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. Archive-free content includes past interviews with huge names like Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter at VOCNation. Bill Apter has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill After's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the <clears throat> World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect is? Well, I'll is? tell you, Bill, I've searched the world, and I finally <laughs> found a true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think, uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Bruno was an LA champion. Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Apter, and once again, we're speaking here with Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did didn't have anything to do Well, yes, but the whole thing is this. That the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Each and every Thursday night, check it out, WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro, talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out, VOCNation.com, WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation radio network. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation.